such an intense conversation earlier. Very intense conversation about what's happening right here, right now in good old New Haven, Connecticut, Hamden, Connecticut, and Bridgeport, Connecticut. What am I talking about? Well, right now we have a very intense uh, campaign going on here. We have three people who are going up for re-election. And by and large, we have no idea why. Why are these people being re-elected? We can't get it. We don't understand it. Manny and I tried to figure it out. I see our friend Three Fifths just joined in. While he gets himself sorted out, I'm just going to remind people what we are talking about today and what has happened since we all spoke. Well, so earlier today, we were unpacking what's happening right here, right now. We were talking about, you know, the fact that we have these people who are being, you know, Re, up for re-election and it's crazy because it's the triad it's bridgeport it's new haven it's hamden and it's three people who theoretically should not be there three-fifths i just want to do a quick sound check are you there with us i want to set my stuff up oh can we hear him can i find out manny can you hear him tune in hey Oh, he's sounding kind of low. Amy said you sound kind of low. Yeah, kind of low. All right, we'll see what happens now. Uh-oh. Now, let me tell y'all, let, let me talk about three-fifths while he sorts himself out. Y'all y'all don't get confused here. I don't know if you're ready for what about to come out this man's mouth. I, <laughs> I, I'm trying to warn you all. This is not a space where the black and brown people hold back. If anything, I want you all to feel comfortable and for the white people in the room, Take some notes and decide today, right here, right now, what are you going to do about it? So three-fifths, I'm going to kick it your way first. What do you feel? What are you thinking? Yes, I could hear. I could hear you sound a little. Are you logged in through your computer? You got your earpiece on? Okay, turn up the volume a little bit. Maybe it's like a little low. I could hear you. Amy, give us a sound check. Guys, bear with us. This is nice. That's what we're talking about. So, all right. Oh, listen, it's, it's my pleasure. For those of you all who do not know about this man, this young man, this gentleman here, you know, he's a fighter for the people. You know, he's one of those who won't step back, won't step down. He will speak his truth bravely and fearlessly. And his goal is that we get it together and we move forward positively, positively progress forward. It's a conversation he and I have been having, um, our thoughts on what's going on with the current elections, um, mostly looking at, you know, New Haven, Bridgeport, and Hamden. We're also looking at Hartford. Ed, just to kick us off, what's your general thoughts on what's going on? Well, I, I think, you know, you hit on the nail when you say look at Bridgeport, Hartford, and New Haven. But what people are not looking at, those are three major cities that run this hub down here. Especially, and, and people say, well, Hartford is like the capital of Connecticut. Yes, it is. But hub powers, I call it, is Hartford, New Haven, and Bridgeport. They kind of like interlock with each other and stuff. But all three are nothing but machines. Correct. Say more about that. What do you mean by machines? For those who are newer well, to the... What we call is this. 
Well, machines that I call, if you look up the word Tammy Hall politics, it, Tammy Hall actually started in Ireland, but it's a mach- it's a political machine where you have the as they say. How can I put it much more better? Oh, I use the uh, the transformer saying, the politicians are the Decepticons and we are the Autobots. Oh shit, yo, Ed is not playing with y'all. He's saying, <laughs> "Run that again." You said the Decepticons are the Decepticons are the politicians. We, the people, are the Autobots. We're the Autobots. That that's a tall statement. Pause for a cause, Manny. How you feel about that right there? Tell us what you think as a young Latinx warrior. What he just said, the politicians are the Decepticons and the people are the Autobots. How do you feel about that? You might be more into <laughs> uh, I love Transformers. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, mm, that, I, never, I never heard that analogy before. And uh, it, it, it's, it's a good one. It really is. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, it reminds me of our earlier conversation earlier today. Um, you know, CJ, uh, when we where we talked about um, the, uh, you know how I said I wonder, you know, with Tom Goldenberg and the Republican nomination, you know, what was the behind the closed doors uh, conversations, right? Uh, and that that root word right there in decepticons right deception <laughs> you know that's a big um, word that's a big word right right and you know it goes back to what i said you know right why 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 people don't trust politicians right it's the deception that, that they bring right not keeping true to the promises etc cetera, etc cetera. so wow that was a that was a never heard that analogy before listen Here's so Ed earlier, our friend Manny and I were talking about the fact that never we were playing a game of good old never have I ever, never have I ever heard of a Democrat running as a Democrat, but being endorsed by the Republicans. That doesn't mean I know everything. It could be it happened and I just didn't know that. Going to what he just said because Manny just went right through. Damn, Manny, Manny, feeling it. Mine's like, nah, we just gonna cut to the meat and potatoes. How do you feel about let's start with Tom Goldenberg? How do you feel about Well, you know, Tom Tom Goldenberg, what he did is like it's like a person waiting for the life jacket to fall off the ship. He fell off the cruise ship, and if you ever been on the cruise ship, it's high up. So that's a long life jacket to throw down or or or, or a flotation device. He's gasping. His, 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 his campaign, to me, is heavy and is not getting no traction. So he's going to do what he can. And he would, to show you how stupid that is, this is a blue state. This is a blue state. The Democrats, you know, I, I know I talked to them. You sure about that, Ed? Because I'm wondering lately. I don't know. No, well, you know, you have your, your signs up. But overall, this is a blue state. And I say, why is it a blue state? Because the number one people who take the, the uh, what do you call it, the, um, the data, there's actually more independents unaffiliated. But independents unaffiliated, they're kind of like fence sitters. They haven't made up their mind yet. 
And so you know, you know, talk about they haven't made their mind up and stuff. Goldberg is just trying to hold on now. I, I, I don't, I don't foresee it. I, I just think, I think down the road, we'll see. Put it this way, we'll see Wednesday when the signatures are due, who's in and who's out. Man, both of y'all, what would y'all tell these people before they came on, man? These guys are not messing around. They're like, mm-hmm, we're going to see Wednesday with the signatures. Now, here's where it gets interesting, right? I'll be honest with you all. Honestly, if it was anybody I thought was going to pull that hat trick off where they turn around and say, oh, by the way, I'm rocking with the Republicans. I was actually thinking Shafiq would have done that because of how he came forward with the All Lives Matter people and the, you know, those Italians and whatnot, the, you know, the unspoken people or whatever we want to call them. How do you feel about that? I mean, do you foresee that he would also do the same? Is this even legit? That's the question I've had all day. Can you do? No, see, here's the thing. There is no true Democratic Party. There's a true Republican Party. And I'll tell you why. Even on, even on the federal level, you have blue dog Democrats, yellow dog. Take a look at the Republican Party. I mean, the Democratic Party. Who are the, the main people that's the enemy within that party? Joe Manchin and Christian Sinema. Look how they voted. They, they're a mixed up party. They're mixed. You have moderates. Obama was, was a moderate uh, Democrat. See, I go back to another, another quote, the great Huey Long, when he said this about political parties. They got a set of Republican waiters on one side and a set of Democratic waiters on the other side. But no matter which set of waiters brings in your dish, the legislative grub is all prepared in the same Wall Street kitchen. And, and, and but the, Dem the Democratic Party is a mixture. Ask yourself this here. Let's be for real. If Shafiq, if Goldberg were real Democrats, they would have accepted the nominee that Ellicott got, which I'm not a fan of, and back out for the sake of the party. If you say you're a Democrat, the, voice, the vote was actually taken, who, they, who the party wants to run. Think about that one. Just think about that. That's facts. That's straight up facts. You see, that's where... Manny and I, we were talking about that earlier because it's like, what I'm waiting to hear, right? Because it sounds all courageous and whatever words they decided to use, you know, adjectives they decided to put in there to legitimize this. I'm not saying that, you know, anything other than I've never heard of this before. A Democrat could get endorsed by the Republican Party and run a ticket. That's where Manny and I were trying to figure out how is this even legally possible? And so after that, you raise a fantastic point. And Manny, I'd love for you to chime in on this. The fact that in the Democratic Party itself, there's so much infighting, the racism, the, you know, the different levels of democracy. And it's really creating a clusterfuck because in my opinion, 2023, the white Dems should be saying to the black and brown Dems, all right, we need to make sure you are seen, heard, and supported. Talk to me, guys. What, what, what's missing? Well, well, see, what you just said, some states, you can't do that because there's deadlines. Say, like, I lost the primary. Some people say, well, I'll, I'll run as an independent. I think it's Oregon or one of those states. You can't do that. You can't get in line like that. You got to be the one party or the other. You can't. You're gone. That's, and, and the problem is different, different states have different laws. See, my main thing in this state here that I don't like 
There's no open primaries. You're forcing me to either be a Republican. Look at look how that works. Real talk. Real talk. I've got to go and sign as a Republican or Democrat. Why should I have to change it? I'm unaffiliated. Open primary. How about how about ballot access? That's the thing. But this is what we were talking about earlier because I don't think it's a matter of people are not registered to vote. I think people are not inspired to vote. And Manny shared some great perspective because what are we really doing to engage the voters positively? I mean, when you see Unite Here, who went from talking about housing, the unions, they say they care about housing, they claim to care about the police brutality, they claim to care about the economy, but then you go and you endorse Elliker. Is this a lesser of two evil situation? I mean, we could say the same thing for Hamden. We could say the same thing for Bridgeport. How the hell did these people get that DTC nod? Because the, 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 because you have uneducated voters that don't know the system of leverage. Voting is just not voting. You have to vote for the person that you feel fit and has the agenda that's going to help you, maybe you, or the rest of our people. That's not so. I can say as an African-American, I have family members. They say, man, I'm a Democrat. I don't care. I'm voting Democrat. We, we can't let Trump get in. But look at what Joe Biden's doing. Joe Biden is getting ready. They, they're getting ready to assimilate a military and invade Haiti. I'm just reading it now tonight in the Black Observer. America don't learn nothing. America don't learn shit. When are you going to learn not to stick your damn nose in other people's shit? Do you ever think or wonder about any of anyone here who's on, you know, do you think about what America would be like? Manny, I'm going to throw this your way. What do you think America would be like if they were, they were not involved in World War II? What do you think? Mm. Um, oh, geez. That, that, is, that is something that uh, not only have I had discussions with, you know, just in a hypothetical sense with people, um, but as I was in Hill House uh, teaching the civics class, um, you know, <laughs> that, that was something I even, you know, kind of put out to the students, um, you know, just, again, it was more of a, just a fun exercise, but also to really see, you know, but, um, uh, what you have to look at is the United States, uh, propensity, um, to want to engage in imperialistic, um, actions. You know, and uh, because that's that's what the United States has pretty much always been. <laughs> you know, since uh, since right after, shortly after its its uh, conception, um, and that has that is how you know the, this country has gained its level of placement on the global stage through its an imperialistic uh, actions, right? invading other countries, you know, entering wars at the most strategic times, you know, um, and, and negotiating these deals or, or rather strong arming other countries, right? I mean, just a, a huge and long track record of imperialism. Um, absolutely. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I just saw, I just saw in, in the Independent, the superintendent, the Secretary of State, he, he said, I'm an American, and Sherry has identified rights to be. So I, I was going to put in there, what about the acres? Did you get that? I said, that's David alone, the leader of Rome, and I'll be so careful to turn over their place. Mm -hmm. He says, voted, you have Puerto Rico, not your social security. Listen, imperialism Absolutely. is all over slavery, right? Like real talk. Oh, yeah. but, but, but listen to this one. You got state-sanctioned imperialism. Talk that talk, Ed. Talk that talk. We have city sanctioned imperialism too. I mean, didn't we just watch the mayor of New Haven, who couldn't give a flying fuck about the homeless, just make people even more homeless by strategically and targeting a tent city that had actually been there for some time? Now, we didn't talk about no solutions. Now, let me show you how Elliker talking about a both sides of his mouth and he's upholding the imperialism because he woke up a couple days ago and decided that he cares about a safe use drug zone. Okay. Meanwhile, back in Hamden, you have princess Lauren Garrett, who's never done anything so much as lift a noodle high. Like this girl has never worked hard in her life. And now she's mayor of Hamden. She completely turned her back on the black and brown people after running her ticket on the black lives matter movement. I don't even know where to start with Ghanem. So, as said, the imperialism is right here. So where do we go from here? I'm with Malcolm X. If, if you don't have what I want, I'm keeping my ballot in my damn pocket. That's what's in my ballot. <laughs> That's right. Keep it right in your pocket. Right there. Yes, because guess what? Like you said, Ed, the Republicans, listen, people, listen. Yes, the Republicans are who they are. But let me tell you something. Them fuckers right there, they organized. They so organized that they went ahead and they stormed the Capitol and they're still trying to find who did it. That's huge. But they didn't waste time with. What happened with the Republican Party? They planned this in the 60s. There's a thing called the Powell Memo. And the Powell Memo, one of the guys, Powell, who was a lawyer, became a Supreme Court justice. He's the one that actually. They piggybacked and made what they call Citizens United with corporations of the people. Republicans don't play around. They can write power memo too. See, I told you the other day that Democrats, they had this thing with me. Well, you know, you if you don't vote, you shouldn't complain. I said, what is my right to complain and put, put a grievance in based on me checking off an X in a box? I have rights. But to complain is going to do with me voting. I'm complaining about the system of voting. He got quiet. But I told him, I said, you know what? You better think ahead. 
it don't matter who did it now because you know who the president is? The damn Supreme Court. Yes. Yes. You don't see, I keep telling people, you want to stop Elica, control the Board of Aldens. Now remember, the Board of Aldens is loaded with black and Latino people. But but they're they're not. They're not our people. They don't even have no power to not take it. They can block Elica. Oh, Ed, pause right there. I gotta hear what the youngin has to say. Manny, I could see your smile. I could virtually see your smile. Jump in there, man. What do you think about that heavy statement? We've been saying this. I've been saying it. You said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, every time you call out my virtual smile, it makes me smile even more. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, again, it, it's just, it's, it's not only to me reassuring uh to hear so many of the points that you know me and you have touched on or just me and other people i've talked with right um and it's always reassuring to hear another individual you know echo those same points because you know then i mean you you can't help but sit there and be like well you know there there's got to be some <laughs> amount of of validity you know if i'm not the only one talking about this so you know um i definitely agree right i i agree and i echo the statement that our supreme court you know of the united states really has been the one like controlling things um much more than i've ever seen the supreme court really get things done I mean, you, you know, it, it, yeah. People don't, guess what? You ever hear the Federalists? This yep. Well, yeah. Guess what the Federalists are doing now? They control law schools. Mm-hmm. When Trump was in, appointments of these judgeships, the Federalists gave him the list. Clarence Thomas is a Federalist. Alito's a Federalist. They control the Ivy League law school. The Democrats are, 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 are just selling cannon fodder. These cats are playing three-dimensional chess. They ain't playing. They're looking at fascism to come back. And what it is, I'm 69 years old. So my son, all of you, your age, well, you already prepared, but just listen to you. I'm going to wake up, young people. They have all this basketball, arts and ideas, and poetry slam. These cats gonna slam you. I'm reading a book right now called How Do You Keep Young People Down? And a friend of mine writing a book, he just gave me a little excerpt. Guess what the number one hold down now for you to keep young people in slavery? Financial debt of student loans. You talking about loans that may take you 10, 20 years to pay off. But you're gonna be guaranteed to work two or three jobs. They're gonna hold you back. I was talking to a friend of mine when they had the protest at Howard University. Young brothers and sisters were out there. There's some Latinos that go to Howard. The brother told me his son said it was about the dirty dormitories and stuff. Some of the alumni came from Leeton and walked by those young people. My friend told me his son hollered, y'all went here too. How come you can't stand with us? Just five minutes. Two alumni did walk back after they listened to it. And the rest of them went in there and just left. That's what they did, left them brothers out there. This attack on young people, Manny Wade, you mean? 
Yeah, you can put me in a gulag, as they call it, or the, or the concentration camp. I make a few bricks, but they want the younger ones. But this Supreme Court is controlling the country now. I told a guy the other day, you better check the list when summer's over, what's coming before them next. Somebody ready to put in, we want prayer in school. I can, lay, I, can lay, I can tell you two justices what their specialty is. Amy Coleman Barrett is there, put there by evangelicals. She used to be a handmaid. Judge Alito is a federalist. We got him locked up. You will not see a change in that court probably for the next five years. So we're going to catch five years and they're going after young people. That's what they're doing. But all these other, as I call them, Sambo's and Judas goats, your day is coming too. You know, I was just about to ask you that. You got you to gotta recognize the Sambo's because the Sambo's and the Uncle Tom's are a big part of the problem. You understand? You all are sitting there doing the white things in the white spaces in all the white ways. And you're selling us off. You're selling us off. You are disregarding the diaspora. And you're climbing on our necks to get on top. I, I really have a problem with Sambo's. I, I don't know if you all could tell that. Ed, what you're saying is so true. And I was saying to Manny earlier, I commend him highly for doing what he does. I mean, no offense to, to the youth who play sport or who are into art. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but we do need more of our young people to get involved in the movement. We need y'all because without y'all, it does not go on. We have to pass the baton. Well, see, if it's revolutionary art, like Richard Emery, who was an artist for the Black Panthers, who did the, the artwork for them, there is revolutionary art. But the younger people, I mean, like the other day, Usually every year I look, the Edith Pettus Bridge where they march across and got people. And what, what gets me really is they're still our old people. Like it or not, Jesse has Parkinson's. What are you walking across that bridge for? They're 80 years old. I remember Reverend Lloyd before he died at 93 just walking across that bridge. Where are the young people at? See, they pacify us. I got more people. But wait, no, Ed, it's not just the pacification. I got to jump in there on that. It's the fact that, and Manny, I want you to jump in on what I'm about to say. I want to hear your thought on this. In my opinion, right, no sooner than we had P. Diddy talking about rocking the vote, it became fashionable to exploit politically the black and brown youth. I'm going to hand that comment over to you. Yeah, you know, like I've mentioned, right, and uh, when I... When you ask me, you know, uh, how are my experiences and conversations with the youth regarding, you know, uh, exercising what I try to emphasize to them is one of the most powerful rights they have, right? The vote. Um, and, and I talk to them. And again, these are my peers. These are people my age. And, um, and I, as I've told you, you know, <clears throat> and one, I come across, you know, statements of, well, uh, you know, uh, politics is messy and, and it's just not for me and, and why should I care about it, right? And then, again, like I told you, is that I let them know, I let them know just how many things of their life, uh, whether they realize it or not, is controlled by politics and is controlled by politicians. And... Uh, nine times out of ten, 
you know, they're surprised of like what you know when they learn just how many everyday things, everyday aspects of their life is controlled by politicians and by politics. And so I tell them, you know, you say that politics is none of your business. You say why should you should care? You know, why should I care about it? You say, oh, like I'd rather not get into it. But whether you like it or not, politics from the day you were born, <laughs> before you can conceive your first thought, was already in your life and was already controlling your life. So the most basic thing you can do and the most powerful thing you can do is exercise that powerful right that you have and voting and, and being politically aware and being politically active, right? And knowing that these officials, these people that were putting in these positions, right? That one, if you don't vote, either way they're getting in there, right? Because if you don't vote, someone else is. And two, if we want to see things start happening the way we want to see them start happening, then we need to be proactive in the political realm, right? And if we don't like these candidates that are coming up, then we need to be doing whatever we can to either, one, put in candidates that we like, right? Or two, this is something I've been trying to work on for as long as I can remember is begin to cultivate future candidates from our own communities who are like-minded people with us. Get those people to become candidates. Yeah, right. I'm saying the truth, and I'll tell you why. See, Malcolm X, what CJ said, he didn't tell you not to vote. He said, if you don't see, then you hold your, hold your ballot. Malcolm X was, was said, basically, that's why if you get a tangent of a man, listen to the ballot of a bullet. What you say is true. See, during the 60s, those politicians that came out, you had black and Latino politicians, they had conscience, no money. They took care of the people. Now, they got money and no conscience. I, I don't tell people, I, all I tell people is listen, see what the person's talking about. If they're talking about what you think, then you do your best to try to get them in. But just don't give your vote away because, oh, you know, uh, well, there's a lesson to you. Because if that's the case, I tell people to write Lucifer's name in. You might as well write his name in for the lesson to you. See, that's the mentality that we got to get away from. And I come from a country where, you know, we didn't politic this way. I come from a country, Trinidad and Tobago, shout out. You know, I come from the West Indies. And what we do is we do what's called Pekong. See, here's the, here's the thing here in Connecticut. People, black and brown people in particular, we get punished for getting up and standing up. And that should not be so. And this is why I make it my business to mention why we need the white people to stand up against that shit. Why we need the white people, okay, standing up in the rally and yelling out Black Lives Matter is, is nice. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. But I kind of need you to take that energy to the job. I kind of need you to take that energy, you know, to the different departments that say they don't have funding for different activities and projects. I need you to direct it there. I need you to see the wrong. I need you to stand in that retail line and call out that Karen. I need you to call out the Karens and the Bobs on the jobs, right? Because enough is enough now, 
right? It is very telling to me that there's such a large voting population, yet the participation doesn't reflect that. And it's scary to me that our youth are so disengaged. So what I'm thinking is, I grew up in an environment from a very young age, we were taught about parliament and why parliament matters and all the different moving parts. So you grew up knowing your social studies. I keep saying this, they need to bring social studies back into the schools. They need to educate the youth. I dare say, and I, I put this question to you both, I feel like a major, major problem as to why so many of the youth are not engaged is because again, they don't see the reason to be. They're distracted. They have other things to do and nobody is educating them. They're just assuming that they know. That's how. Because the leadership are not doing the think tanks. See, when the grant money comes down, 90% of it in, 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 in black and brown, not so much, not the Latino community, but in our the black community, it goes to the sports. I've had people tell me, I don't play no sports and tennis and all that. I want to learn some computer stuff. There's a lot of our youth that want to do that, so put some of that grant money into that. They put it, they put theirs in the think tanks. I heard Yale, what they do, the Ivy League colleges, they start recruiting in the 10th grade. They look around the high schools across the country. And you got that, they, have, they, they find out usually, they look at yearbooks sometimes. This guy's beautiful, fine. That's who he wants. The youth, like Manny said, he's 100%. There's very few like him. See, Manny was the youth of the 60s. When the whole struggle started, those are young people from high schools. Those are young people from college that set got the ketchup for them and, and all type of stuff. But it was young people that set the movement. Kwame Ture started from the Bronx High School Society. Protesting. That's where he started. He was a, he was a brilliant man, a mastermind. Heavy in biology. And that's where they started, with the young people. My daughter, my daughter's an actress, big time, came out of Juilliard. When she was in Florida LaGuardia, it was dance practice or whatever. The food was cold. So she started to protest. We want a microwave. They said no. So, and outside, signs. Day one, 10 people showed. Next day, 40. School started coming from all over. Principal called me and my first wife. He says, listen, your daughter has started some stuff. What, what, you, what, what's it, what you want to do? He said, give it a microwave. I said, by the way, I got to go back outside, get my sign. Long story short, they gave a microwave. You go to Florida LaGuardia, you see a microwave in there with Charade. That's her name. In a glass enclosure. And they have a list of the people that help. That's what the young people do. See, Maddie's right. A lot of young people, I talk to them, man, I ain't got time for that stuff, man. What's affecting you? I don't tell people not to vote. I tell people, if there's no agenda there that's with us, why are you giving other person your vote? I agree with that. I agree with that, Ed. Seriously. I agree. The person's going to get in, but not with my hope. I'm not going to do that. Not me. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I've already been writing to people. What is plan What is plan B if Elika gets in? Because honestly, I think this race is over. It's done. It's done. He's got the machine behind the big machine. Not only that, not just the local machine. Pay People need to pay attention. There's a reason why 
They're going to keep Princess Garrett in the game. That's part of the machine. There's a reason why the Crook Ganim will get the endorsement. That's part of the machine, the triad, Bridgeport, New Haven, and Hamden. That's why they're getting the denomination. You know, to me, the DTC does not fully support the black and brown people. I find that, you know, it's very white run. And I, I don't know what it's going to take for that to change. Because I feel like that's what's really holding us. important just now. You made something. You notice you didn't mention West Haven. You know why? West Haven's not connected to that. Hamden is just a jump. When you go by that Hess station, I believe it is, and Bridgeport, that's Hamden. You kind of jump right in from there. West Haven's a whole different ballgame. But West Haven got a problem with that mall. From what I was told, Amazon is still looking at that place. Now, if that's true or not, I don't know. But I can see it. I can see it. But I like this young brother. We need more like him. That's how the movement started. If you, if you read the books, I'm going to tell you what I did too. The, uh, the, the lady headed the Board of Ed. Not the, 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 yeah, the, the board of education, the, the school board. Yashima Rivera. She wrote, reading a book, right? About the Latinos. I saw I put in a face, a face, uh, four-bass paper, I guess they put it in. I said, what about Down These Mean Streets by Pierre Thomas? I'm going to see if they're going to write it now. How to read that book today. Let the Latinos know about Pierre Thomas. Let them know about the Young Lord, Cha-Cha Jimenez. Let them know about Abiso's pamphlets. Let them know the revolutionary. Fidel, don't be afraid to teach that stuff. I was at Evanston Baptist Church. Fidel said to an interpreter, he told, he said, I'm telling my Latino brothers and sisters, stick with the blacks. And what did, what did Fidel do in turn? He looked out for Africa, Angola, South Africa. That's why Nelson Mandela first came But Ed, you're saying some big stuff there. And you're also, you know, acknowledging something that I'm alluding to as well. The fact remains, Manny's generation, because he's one of the, the forefront of it, right? They lost several years of their school experience, in-person school experience. So culturally, they have been removed from certain things. And because we don't have topics like social studies in the school, because we decided to sell off the, you know, the electronics and the shop and everything to things like Branford Hall and Stone Academy, these people are robbing our communities. But just like Ed said before, that's how they're keeping the youth back. They're keeping them in debt, all right? I wouldn't want to run for office if I'm seeing a little princess like Lauren Garrett, okay, who had, you know, a little rich husband, slumlord husband, and was doing just fine, okay? Privilege upon privilege. Claim to care about the black and brown community. No sooner she gets into office, she tries to gaslight and gatekeep the living shit out of all the black and brown people who put her there in the first place. And she even hired uh, the resident KKK reporter, AKA Megan Friedman, who would then turn around and attempt to gaslight and gatekeep a black female activist. I'm telling you all, people are not paying attention. The attack on the black and brown activists is very, very real. I could call names, Barbara Fair, John Hyrule Lugo, Ben Prescott. Who am I talking about? These are all people who have been targeted and attacked, myself included. Rhonda C, come on. So how do we remedy this? Where do we go from here, guys?
I said, the manning agents have to pick up the slack. They have to. They have to. Because the thing of it is, is this. You'd be surprised. You get older. I say I'm old, but they know you become less of a threat. You know, you go slow, you're not a little fast. You know, I get my, my brain freezes sometimes. But the younger ones have to pick it up. And that's what the 60s was about. That's what the 60s. Remember, Fidel, they were young. Che Guevara was, what, about 20-something years old? 26, 27? They started young. That's why the movement now today. See, and another thing, I'm glad you mentioned P. Diddy. I wrote a piece, I fed in one of the papers in New York. I wrote how that Jay-Z, Oprah Winfrey, Ryan Allen, P. Diddy. How come they're not taking their million dollars, their, their, their billion dollars and doing like hiring folks and buying a Chinese company? See, the centurion billionaires, that's the ones worth over 200 billion. They're buying judges. Chinese company just come out of paper again, the other land from the New York Times. He, he belongs to an organization. His wife is the worst one. She belongs to a certain organization. Our so-called billionaires are busy trying to fight over buying a BET, which, I'm, which is really, to me, nothing but flipping. Somebody hold on to and get rid of it. That's what we have to go after. We got to buy power. We're not doing that. I, I wonder how many people spend all that money to go see Barbie. I refuse to go. I talk about that damn doll. You know why? Because I remember the real history of that Barbie. They wasn't making no black dolls. I told people marinate on that one. If you want to go see Barbie. There, that's a lot to marinate on, Ed. That is, <laughs> I don't know if people, you see, and that's the thing. Black mermaid, the little black mermaid, you didn't go, go put that money in that. That's what you did. Well, they got mad about it. They didn't want to see no black mermaid, just like they didn't want to see no black female president. Right? But what we have to do we have to denormalize the racism. Stop brushing this shit under the rug, man. And I feel like with the youth, the younger people, to me, what, what happened to them, I empathize because think about it. Ed, you and I, you know, I was telling everybody early, if you just want to get an idea of my age, just look up The Last Supper. I'm in the back to the left. I'll give you an idea of how old I am, right? The point being, in our time, we had topics like social studies, we were in class, <laughs> I'm cracking up. We were in class, hey Julie, right? We had these topics like social studies, like economics. We had these conversations. It didn't matter if you liked it or not. Culturally, we had this exposure. Prior to COVID, Manny's generation, right? They already got deprived of those options. Now you have to go to places like Branford Hall and Stone Academy to get your little certificate in hairdressing and nursing and whatever you want to get. These were formerly affiliated with the public schools. If these fuckers cared about our communities, if I were the mayor, the first thing I would like to see happen, first of all, the mayor has power. Let's not get confused here. See, they, they put all this bureaucracy in your face so that you get confused and dissuade because who the fuck want to see and hear all that shit? Who want to go to 15 fucking meetings with the board of alders the board of alders in my opinion is the biggest group of gatekeepers i've seen in a long time because a lot of things get held up right there and what happens is the public loses interest the fact that in 2023 we have to fight the board of alders to get undocumented people represented is disgusting the fact that 
The civilian review board does not include undocumented people is disgusting. The fact that the mayor has the political power and respect to do things like say, hey, wait up, hold a minute. I don't want these schools to look like prisons anymore. And actually, I want us to bring back the hairdressing program. I want us to bring back to the public schools, okay? To the public schools. Bring those classes back. Give kids a future again. You know what happened with social studies, though? Why you don't have it? They got linked with critical race theory. I read some stuff on that in one of the newspapers. That's what happened. They linked it with critical, anything to do with history, they want to dissect it. That's why I'll never forget the idiot DeSantis. He banned Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente's books, and he had to put it back. Because even people in Florida said, you're out of your damn mind. Man, those two books. That's why I said the Supreme Court is the president of the United States. And I told a guy the other day, go wait till summer end and watch their docket calendar. They're coming after everybody. Everybody. That's real talk. That's real talk. Manny, chime in there. You've been quite quiet. I want to hear from Manny now. What you thinking over there? Because I could tell you things. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I'm just thinking about one, you know, like you said, of how the younger demographic, the population, um, and you know, again, that's that's me and that's my peers. Um, so if anyone can speak to the effects of COVID, you know, on the younger population, is it, you know, it is me and my peers, right? I mean. It affected us, uh, as I mentioned earlier today in, in the early episode. Um, you know, here we were, you know, 14, 13, 15 years old, right? Uh, freshly turned teenagers uh, just coming into our high school experience. And, um, you know, uh, us as teenagers, right? especially turned teenagers, we're already trying to figure out society, right? We're starting to uh, develop cognitive, uh, you know, consciousness of societal norms and issues. And, you know, like we are, you know, we're slowly really beginning our entrance in, into the world and society. And then all of a sudden, you know, this unprecedented time in, in, in modern history just pops out of nowhere you know uh <laughs> you know we all we all received the same the same sentence you know it's only going to be two weeks right uh and even though a lot of us knew it wasn't going to just be two weeks but i don't think any of us knew just how long it would be right and so so like i said earlier right here here we were you know our, our freshman year of high school uh that got put on pause March 12th on I'll never forget the day that that's how much it affected me personally I will never forget the day it was March 12th 2020 that we were sent home and told it was only going to be two weeks and um you know and us you know those freshmen 2020 you know we didn't make our return to the school uh until our junior year of high school, you know? So we pretty much spent the first half of, of high school uh, in our homes, in our rooms, uh, 
uh, in quarantine and lockdown, right? Um, and that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to college now for psychology, right? And so, from a psychological perspective, you have to look at it that this time of isolation happened at a time where the teenage brain is going through a process called um, myelination and where the brain starts to, you know, figure out, you know, what's, what's good to use, not good to use, you know, what are some critical skills that, you know, need to work on whatever. But we don't have that fortunate, you know, uh, <laughs> experience you know, that every other teenager up until the, that point, you know, was able to go through because we were locked in our rooms, in our houses. We were, you know, society and the world was put on pause. And then we were expected to come back, you know, after, you know, everything had, had started to calm down. We are expected to come back into society and just know how to pick up, you know, as if nothing ever happened. So... You know, as I mentioned to, you know, CJ earlier, right, when I, I was talking about how the younger population prior to COVID, you know, we heard some things about them being politically active and being politically aware and, you know, with the whole 2016 election and all that stuff, right? And, you know, there was some, some good discussion there. And then after COVID, you know, when COVID was done, or it's, I mean, it's not done, but with quarantine and lockdown, you know, it's ended. Teenagers, right? The younger, and, and I'm even extending this, you know, up until the, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds, uh, you know, who, who turned those ages after COVID. You know, then after returning back to, you know, quote unquote, normal everyday life, Right, issues like that weren't important to us per se because we had to relearn how to communicate with each other, <laughs> you know, not through a screen. Right, we had to get used to receiving education, you know, in person. We had to learn how to reintegrate ourselves into society. I mean, I remember. You know, that even my social skills took a hit. You know, and I was a public speaker before COVID. But even my social skills took a hit when I came back from lockdown. I mean, it, it was, I almost forgot how to start a conversation with another person. So, you know, like CJ always says, and, and I'm glad she's saying it. I'm glad that she keeps bringing it up. And I'm glad she's bringing so much attention to it because it seems like no one else is is that the effects that COVID had on the younger population is not being recognized enough. And yet a lot of people sit here and they say, why are the youth doing this? And why aren't they doing this? And why aren't they involved? And it's like, you have to realize that COVID really disrupted a lot of things for us. And it threw so many things awry. And so 
you know, it not only does it take time for us to kind of even even now, you know, there were three years after the pandemic, right? Three years still isn't enough when you're talking about a full, almost a full year of isolation, right? To a teenage brain that has detrimental effects. And if you don't believe me, hey, I mean, go go look up the psychologists and the, and the neuroscientists, you know, who are talking about it. You know, if you want a person with a degree and you trust that <laughs> better than sure, by all means, go ahead. But I'm not saying anything different than they will be saying. You know, they're just going to use all the medical terminology <laughs> and I'm trying to make it a little bit more simple. But this is something I keep in mind, right? When I'm talking to my peers, when I'm trying to get them involved, when I'm trying to bring other issues, I also have to be aware and, and almost hypersensitive to the fact that even though we're three years after the global pandemic, um, there's still so many things, there's so many aspects about life that they're still trying to grasp, understand, and learn where do they fit in into society? Where, where, like, what is life for them now? You know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always happy and I'm always glad to hear CJ bringing up COVID and bring up the effects that COVID had because not a lot of people are and, and they should be. Um, because it's, very, it's, it's a very, very real thing that should be um, brought to light a lot more.
is through the political circle and the realm too. But we need more Manny's. I still say it. We got to go back to the 60s. That's They started at Manny's age. Started at Manny's age. John Lewis started. But, Ed, here's the thing. We also have to hold these fuckers accountable. Oh, no question. Because, because let me tell you something. Let me just say this real quick. In New Haven, Bridgeport, and Hamden, the criminalization of the black and brown youth has been consistent. They are not educating our children. How the fuck? If you see such a high level of absenteeism, if you're seeing more and more students are not engaging, you see more and more students need 504 plans, how do you not flag that? Okay? Because during the 60s, what Instead, you criminalize them. They, wait a minute. They criminalize them, and they make them feel embarrassed and ashamed. Look at what this young man just said about how he had to relearn how to be around his own classmates. Right? I have not heard not one candidate even mention two sentences on how they're going to help these youth recover. Not just the Mannies, but also the after Mannies, right? And also the before Mannies. Why? Because, for example, I have two children who are young adults, and one was working during COVID. It broke my heart to watch my child have to walk through that door to go to work. And the effect that it has had on him, as a parent, I could see it. I have not seen any of the mayors, anybody say, how about we do a real program to help these young people? They haven't had to suffer in something like this before. And most of them, and an unfortunate good number of them, come from single parent homes. They come from disadvantaged households. We claim to care about mental health, but we do nothing about it for the black and brown youth. You know, and for this electoral campaign that's happening in New Haven, Hamden, and Bridgeport, I just see the separation of wealth, and it's disappointing because it's happening with the Democratic Party. I wish that the Democratic Party would do more to uplift the black and brown people. The representation matters, right? We got to get these people, we got to get the right people in office to do this, guys. How, how can we do that? How do you see that? Manny, I'll turn to you first. How could we, let, let's, I want to hear from Manny. How could we get the young people out there right now? What are we not? Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> it's no secret that that's been, uh, you know, my goal and my personal focus uh, since I first started. Um, you know, this, this work and, and I've been at it again, it's going to be seven years already <laughs> that I've been doing this. You know, I, I said that today, actually, I was on a, uh, interview with NBC earlier today and, you know, they asked me, well, how long have you been doing this? I said, Oh geez, almost seven years now. And, and then as soon as that sentence left my mouth, I was like, Whoa, <laughs> seven years. I started out when I was 11 years old. Um, and, and yeah, and that's been my goal. My focus is how to get my peers. Because again, I'm you know that that's the fortunate uh, position that I've been placed in, and that I'm ever so grateful for, is that I'm not talking about 
a, a group of people that are, you know, older than me or younger than me. You know, I mean, these are, as I've been growing up and, and you know, throughout the seven years, these people, you know, uh, that, you know, we're trying to engage are the people that I'm surrounded with. You know, they're my peers. They're the ones I'm having everyday conversations with. So I've, <laughs> I think I've tried about a million and one different ways. And, and don't get me wrong, I've, I've been very successful in getting more and more youth involved. Uh, and I'm ever so grateful even when just one wants to get involved. Um, and so what I've learned over the years is, is that there isn't one, and unfortunately, right, <laughs> to our disadvantage, uh, there isn't one universal um, method that works for all the, the youth. Um, I've learned over the years that you have to tailor things to uh, to the youth because there's it's just such vast differences in them on an individual level. Um, and I say that not in a bad way, you know, not in a bad way at all. I say that um, to emphasize the individuality that I've come across is, listen, some of them, you know, when you talk to about politics to them, some of them like politics. You know, I've come across that. And so it's easier to talk to them, right, and, and to get them involved because, you know, they enjoy the idea of activism and being part of movements and being on the front line. You know, they that that's good to them. You know, they like it. They want to be part of it. And then you come across others who, you know, like like I said earlier, they're like, well, why is it in my business? Why should I care? It doesn't affect me. I mean, you know, they really, and then now let's, let's be honest here. Let's look at it. Those same statements, those same sentences. Uh, and again, I'm not taking away from their individuality. Don't get me wrong. I'm not doing it. But those same sentences and those same statements are echoed down. They're echoed from family members. They're echoed from parents, from grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever have you. Right? Because as we know, children are sponges. This is the same for teenagers all the way up until uh, 17, 18 years old when the myelination process starts, you know, coming to a finish. Before that, they're, they're still pretty much sponges. You know, they will take on family's beliefs. They will take on those same sentiments. So if the parents, if the family, you know, other family, family, friends, right, they're all saying these sentences of, oh, why should I care about politics? Politics affect me. Politics is it for us. You know, those types of things. Even if they don't have any personal reasoning to you know, to reinforce those statements, to say those things, they will say them and and believe them to, to a point. That's what I've come across. Believe them to a point where it will stop them from questioning further. And so with those types of encounters, right, then that's when I come across, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, get them to try and see that, yes, it does matter. Yes, look at how, you know, many things in your life that you didn't think were controlled by politics are controlled by politics. Right? There's different methods 
that you have to use according to the individual. I've learned that over the years. And so, again, to our disadvantage, there's no universal answer when we talk about how do we get them involved, how we, do we get them part of the movement, right? And I've heard people, you know, I've heard, I'm not going to name names now, but I've heard people, <laughs> you know, come and go and, and try and offer these universal solutions. Well, let's, let's use social media. Well, let's listen. You can use social media. You can put a poster right in their face. You can scream at them in a megaphone right in their ear. It doesn't matter what medium you're using, right? What matters is you have to get to them on an individual level and learn that in the teenage population, you come across different... What I would say is like different group types of teenagers. And again, I, and this, and this is in my seven years of doing this with my peers. These are my peers. You have your different group types. You have those who, again, they like the idea of activism, politics, all that stuff. Good. You have your other group who are, and eh, they're more on the athletic side, sports. They don't care about nothing. You know, of politics, business, and that, that just doesn't suit them. You got, you got those types. And then you got the other types who, you know, they, what I kind of classify them as, um, you know, they're just, they go with the flow. They're still trying to figure things out. Nothing's really settled for them. They don't really have any set beliefs, so to speak. They're just, taking it one day at a time and trying to figure out life as it comes, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, those kind of three group types when we're talking about teenagers, we're talking about the youth. And like I say, you have to tailor your methodology according to those group types because if I see anyone coming again <laughs> talking about here's a universal answer to get all teenagers involved, I, I, I'm not going to, like, pull out 15 of my <laughs> hair strands. <laughs> like, I just, because no, no. And, and it frustrates me that the adults, that they, they keep saying these things, right? Like, oh, well, let's just use social media. Let's just do this. Let's do this. You know, and it's like, listen, I guarantee you, you're coming up with these solutions but are you actually coming up with these solutions after holding conversations with actual teenagers? Because if you were holding an actual conversation with the teenagers, you know that you sound absolutely ridiculous. Because it's not like your proposed solution, I mean, it's not going to catch the attention of the teenagers whatsoever. So you're wasting time and money when you could really be doing the real work and actually going and having these conversations and these interactions with the teenagers instead of trying to find some umbrella universal solution to try to get them involved. It doesn't work like that. It might have worked like that one period of time, but hey, the world's an ever-changing, ever, you know, I mean, it's a non, it's an endless cycle of societal changes and what worked. 10, 20, even, you know, five years ago, is it going to work now? And that's what I've been trying to 
constantly emphasize and reiterate and, and get through to these different people and positions, you know, it's like, listen, these are my peers. I think if anyone can, you know, provide insights on teenagers and the youth, I think it's me. You know, I think I think it's the one who's for seven years, you know, has been doing this. People my age, I'm in my classroom, I'm in school, I'm in the park, I'm at their houses, you know, like I think I have just a little bit of an advantage here. I, I think when you, it comes to talking about I think about you this might thing. have a little experience. <laughs> that goes without saying. And I appreciate just, just you bit. <laughs> emphasizing that because that's what I'm saying. You cannot tell these teenagers how to be. You are not them. We did not have to go through a year of isolation the way they did. They went to school one day and were told, see you in two weeks. And then they had to adjust. Watching my daughter do that was hard. you know. And then having to help her. I mean, some people didn't know how to handle that. Let's face the facts. right? And this is why, like, looking at the current candidates, I'm very disappointed. Because it's like nobody is as if COVID's over now. Bye. Bye. Just like Lauren Garrett did. Oh, yeah, I'm done with the, the white people now. I'm done only with the white people now. I don't need the black people and the brown people no more. Ed Chiman, what you think? Well, for me, I believe in starting with the believers. I'm a, I, I, I strongly believe in the blueprint of the system. And I remember Malcolm said something very important. He says, you have to be very careful. Introducing the truth to the black man who has never previously heard the truth about himself. The black brother is so brainwashed that he may reject the truth when he first hears it. And here's the important part of that statement he made. You have to drop a little bit of them at a time and while you let it sink in before advancing the next step. And that's what we have to do with our youth. Second, the community should go back to the days of opening up institutions that can fall in place. We, they, our, our so-called community failed on that part. I put that on them. And I go back to the 60s again. My grandmother opened up her black church and there were a lot of black doctors studying in the library. We have an institution. We have a true house that's open. Why is that not open? Why is it just two days of Zoom or whatever? But what is actually key? That's, that's the institution that taxpayers pay for. We should be able to use that. It's right there. See, like I said, I take my house to these young brothers. They are, the, they are the answer. I, I stand by this. Me and you are not so much the answer. We can guide them, but they are the answer. They are the answer. And this young brother was listening to him for the first time. He talked about him. He knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. Remember, Malcolm was in the gutter, and he picked himself up and became a good orator. Second, you can't save everybody. Go back to Marcus Garvey. See, my grandmother was his secretary. She told him, listen, we're, we're building a black star land. What about the others? He said, Mrs. Miles, those are our brothers and sisters. We'll leave them rowboats to catch up with them. He didn't say leave them behind. I never say that. But you got to start with the believers. That's your soldiers. All armies start with believers. All. It could take years. I may not see my lifetime, but I know this young brother, as I go to my grave, he's around, it'll make me feel good that, he, that there's a man out there. There's a couple of them out there. They just don't know, they're not, they, they, like you said, they don't know 
thing to come to. And that's a problem. And me and you talked about this. I am a component of the Caribbean way of people. There's no fair in the Caribbean home. I don't care if you got to be under the candlelight. I don't care. I see it. You know what I'm talking about, right, sister? <laughs> they stay on you. You will not fail. Probably the community that we come from, 97 is very important. Throw it on the adults. Maybe just a candidate. If it's different than our community, people don't give a rat's ass. They don't. I've seen it. Just this morning, my neighbor had a bag of clothes. I said, why are you going to take it to Brookville? Take it over. You know, it's homeless people. Why look at the person's size and give it to them. And she did that. That's what you do. We have, we have to start. Young people today are running this. Social media can be good to get the message out, but it can be a, 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 a tool of control, too. And you know what some said, sister? Got off track. You notice what did Elon Musk do? Why he changed it to an X and make it dark? Did you notice that on Twitter? Yeah. How about you? How about you, Maddie? Did you notice that on Twitter? It's a dark X. I sure did. I wonder why. Yeah, a dark X. A dark X. I mean, Ed, we could go on for days on that by itself. I don't know if you want to start that because I'll lead into a whole other hour. I just want to, you know, let's continue this conversation because we started something here that needs to go on. Manny, I want to thank you once again for being fearless and being upfront. right? That's not an easy thing to do right now. It's not. And Ed, as always, it's always a pleasure. You're always willing to speak it as you see it fearlessly. You know, um, how about starting with you, Manny? Some closing. Again, it's gonna, I'm always going to reiterate the same things. <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll never, never get tired of saying them. Uh, in a time like this, uh, where there's so much mistrust, where there are issues everywhere you look and where the solutions seem to be um, so distant that they are almost intangible to some people. Uh, I only want to echo this. And I always say this. It starts with you. It starts with you caring enough for the next person that you are willing to take it upon yourself to be the change that we seek. Always believe that you alone can make the difference, that you alone is all it takes to actually enact the changes that we want to see. Never forget the power that you have within yourself. Um, never be uh, just uh, put awry from the currents of change and always know that you're never alone. There are people like me, there are people like CJ, there are people like Edward um, who are here, who will always be here. Uh, and there are those of us who are there but are not seen. But always take comfort in knowing that you're never alone in the fight of change. And so it all starts with you. 
all starts with you. That was beautiful, Manny. Thank you so much. Ed, how about some closing words? Oh, mine is short. That Manny never closed. Delvin, my brother, he's the fighter. He's young, strong, and like I said, in the 60s, struggle with young people your age. Don't close, don't get frustrated. Sometimes, I've noticed people, my father always told me, always keep an open mind somebody tell you something. I've seen people talk to people. I mean, I ain't doing that. Come back three months later because they analyze what you were saying. I said, yeah, I see you talking to people. You have to stay strong, brother. This struggle of seniors, we can help. But it's y'all that's riding the Sherman tank train. It's y'all that's going to fight this revolution. And trust me, they're going to come along to you. They're going to come. My closing statement, the Manny that's out there, don't stay cold, stay open. That was awesome, Ed. Thank you both so much for taking the time to thank be you. here. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Of course, we're going to continue this conversation, everybody. This is not the end of this. And once again, thank you all for your continued support and empowerment and your solidarity. You. We appreciate it so much. You know, the time is now. We are here and we have to get up and stand up. All right. As was said by our young warrior, we are the change. All right. Be fearless. Be fearless. All right. Nobody's perfect. We didn't ask you to do all of that. Just be fearless. You could be part of the change. You just find your peace and do that. All right. So get up and stand up. That's all we have for now. Fist up, smile on. Peace.